Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, your favourite sanitation podcast. I'm Pete. Today's show is the third episode in my series about safe driving at work. In the first part of the series, I discuss some of the factors you might consider when buying or leasing a new sanitation truck. And last time, I spoke about some of the things that you could do as a business owner or manager to influence the behaviour of your staff if and when they drive your company vehicles. This week, I want to talk about the responsibilities that fall on those of us who drive and operate commercial vehicles. I want to look at the daily checks that every driver could and should be doing before they leave the yard, as well as the processes that every sanitation owner needs to make happen. I'm going to call this episode Vehicle Checks. Here in New Zealand, there's no legal requirement per se to carry out a pre-trip inspection before you drive a commercial vehicle on the road. Instead, the law makes it a legal duty to make sure that the vehicle is safe to operate and safely loaded before it's driven on the road. In the US, federal law requires anyone who drives a commercial vehicle to complete a vehicle inspection before each haul or trip. And the purpose of that inspection is to make sure that all parts of the vehicle are in good working order. If any faults are found, the driver must submit a vehicle inspection report or DVIR and the faults must be repaired before the vehicle is driven on the road. The legislation behind that requirement is managed by the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration or FMCSA. I've spent a lot of time reading through the regulations and guidance on their website and as you can imagine it contains a lot of complex information. I'm not going to pretend that I'm an expert and it would probably take me a month of Get Flushed episodes to summarise all the main points. Rather than wade through all of that, I'm going to focus on the routine that I follow if and when I drive commercial vehicles on the road. And I'll stress that I'm talking about driving for work here because, well, when was the last time any of us checked the oil or tyres on our family cars before we nipped down to the supermarket or took the kids on the school run? In fact, I'll go further than that. I've owned five or six cars that were built after the year 2000 and I can't remember having to top up the oil or water on any of them between regular services. You see, modern cars are much more reliable than ever before, and I pretty much take it for granted that my Toyota is going to work every time. I suspect that's familiar for a lot of drivers today, especially those with a late model car, but it hasn't always been the case. I learned to drive on cars that were built in the 1970s, and that certainly didn't happen then. One of those cars burnt more oil than petrol, and another needed a splash of coolant at least once a week. Thankfully, worries like that seem to belong in the past. However, because we take reliability for granted, I think many of us have grown quite complacent when it comes to those daily and weekly checks on our private cars. That's all well and good at home, but complacency like that around work vehicles can potentially lead to much more serious consequences for all involved. So what's the best way to carry out your pre-start check? Well, the first thing I want to say is that even in the US where pre-trip inspections are mandatory, there is no prescribed specific format or form. The only requirement is that all major parts of the vehicle are checked. To do that, it makes sense to work in a systematic and methodical order. And if you do the same thing the same way every day, it will soon become second nature, a habit rather than a laboured task. I check my truck by walking around the vehicle. I start by checking the licence and registration labels, which in New Zealand are displayed on the front passenger side of the windscreen. For commercial vehicles, these are the vehicle registration, a transport service license, a road user distance label, a certificate of loading and a certificate of compliance, although that one is displayed on the driver's side of the windscreen. I check these to make sure they're in date and that I've enough distance to complete today's journey. In some jurisdictions, you may also need to display proof of insurance, but that's not a requirement here in New Zealand. Once I've checked the labels, I like to start the engine, turn on the lights and hazard warning beacons and then do my walk around. 
The walk around is the opportunity to check that the lights are clean and working, check that the license plate can be seen, assess the overall condition of the truck and look out for any obvious damage or leaks. Leaks are easy to spot if the truck's been parked on concrete or tarmac. They're much harder to see if you park on dirt or gravel, so you'll need to look for discoloration or shiny patches on the ground. The walk around is also the ideal time to purge any condensation from the air tanks if they're fitted. Most tanks will have a bleed valve that you press, pull or turn to release the air. Remember that the air will be pressurised, so take care when you do this. And of course, make sure you're wearing appropriate footwear, gloves and safety glasses whenever you carry out these checks. The next step for me is to check the wheels and tyres. On a truck, it's important to knock the tyres with a hammer or steel bar to check for punctures or flats. A fully inflated tyre will give a nice clear ring. A flat or underinflated tyre will give a dull thud. As well as the knock test, I check for cuts, abrasions, any unusual bulges or wear, and to do that I look at the side walls and face of each tyre. It's important to check wheel nuts as well. This is fairly easy if the wheel is fitted with wheel nut indicators, the small coloured triangles, they'll be out of line if the nut has come loose. Some of those are also designed to melt or distort if the wheel gets too hot because the brakes are binding or the bearings are worn. If you don't have those indicators, you can sometimes turn loose nuts by hand, and a loose wheel nut will often weep. By that I mean there'll be a trickle or stain running from the nut to the outside of the wheel. That occurs because the loose nut allows water, brake dust and other contaminants to seep through. Of course the best advice is to make sure the nuts are properly torqued using the appropriate wrench. While that's probably not something many of us do on a daily basis, it really must be done after a thousand kilometres or 600 miles once you've had a wheel changed or tyre replaced. I've worked in transport yards where a tyre technician called in once or twice a week to check the nuts and tyres on every truck. The drivers were still supposed to do their own checks, but the technician's visit provided extra insurance. It also meant that the defective tyres could usually be repaired or replaced there and then. And believe me, it's much easier and cheaper to tighten wheel nuts and swap tyres in the yard than it is to put things right if you suffer a flat or lose a wheel when you're out on the road. My next step is to check fluid and pressure levels. A lot of modern vehicles will read the oil, coolant and add blue levels electronically and if that's the case you need to run through those on the dash. I've certainly driven trucks that don't have a dipstick and it became a habit to scroll through the menu on the dashboard in the cab at the start of each day. If you do have to check those levels manually, the pre-trip inspection is the time to do it but it's important to follow the correct procedure for that particular vehicle to make sure that you're doing it properly. We might all assume that we know how to pull a dipstick, but it's worth double checking the owner's manual or asking your mechanic just to make sure you're doing things properly. The next part of my inspection is to check the deck and the anchor points, as well as any strops, chains, ratchets or binders that I might use to secure the load. From there I check the condition of ancillary equipment, such as the tow hitch or ring feeder, vacuum pump, tank and hoses, and I make sure everything is properly restrained and secured. If I'm carrying fresh water or septic waste, I also check the cap on the tanks because spilling liquid from any tank while driving here is an insecure load infringement that will carry a fine and possible disqualification. And if I've left a solid load on the truck overnight, I'll recheck the strops or chains to make sure it's properly tied down before I set off. I'll also add that in many jurisdictions, portable toilet waste is defined as a dangerous good. 
That usually means that when septic waste or portable toilets are transported by road, the company has to register as a waste carrier, the driver may be required to hold a special endorsement on their licence, and they'll usually need to display warning signs on the front and back of the truck and on the sides of the holding tank or restrooms, even if they've been emptied. Obviously, you can be listening from anywhere in the world, and you're going to know your local rules and regulations for sanitation trucks in far more depth than me. The main point is to make sure that your checks include any specific conditions relating to the use of your vehicle on the road where you are. With regular practice, it's possible to run through these checks in a few minutes. However, there's always a risk that drivers don't bother or they'll go through the motions without actually performing a proper check. That probably happens more than anyone would like to admit, but it's important to do the job properly every day. The key is to talk about things, train your drivers and make it part of their everyday routine so it feels weird if it's not done. Some companies print a paper checklist on their driver's logbooks or timesheet. Others use an app on a tablet or phone. Although none of those things will guarantee that the driver performs a diligent check per se, they do provide prompts and reminders, especially if they're set up to ask for photographs or text-based answers instead of a simple yes or no tick box response. And of course, once the checks have been done, you need to make sure that there is a clear process for making good any repairs, as well as recording any relevant information and retaining those records. Until fairly recently, US law required drivers to file their DVIR after every inspection, even if everything was okay. That law was changed, and the inspection report is now only required when a fault is found. There is some interesting discussion about that change on the FMCSA website and not every haulier was in favour of the new approach. I'm in two minds. On one side, nobody wants to create unnecessary admin, but on the other, companies do like to keep records in case there's any litigation as a result of an incident involving their truck. Now, there's no single way of doing this. Some companies employ a compliance manager who's responsible for monitoring, collating and recording those records. Others delegate the task to the admin team, and some follow a less structured approach. Whatever you decide, you need to make it easy for your company and the driver to prove that the check was done properly, all repairs were made, and the record was retained. Keeping good records will also help you monitor trends amongst your vehicles and drivers. If you spot a trend, you can investigate whether the real problem is with the truck or the way it's been driven. Maybe one truck wears through tyres, perhaps the tracking needs attention because the tyre rod's loose but maybe the driver has a habit of clipping the kerb. What if one truck heats brakes? Perhaps it's used on a route with lots of hills, or maybe the driver rides a brake pedal. That sort of information can and should be used to identify patterns that may be adding avoidable costs to your business, but you can only do that if you have a thorough and reliable process for both the inspection and recording the information. Even if your driver has performed a full pre-trip inspection, I'm fairly sure that a diligent police officer will find one fault or another on a good proportion of trucks and trailers on the road. It's the nature of the beast. You see, commercial driving is hard on vehicles. They suffer from much more wear and tear than private cars. That's probably because they're in constant use, they haul heavy loads, and they typically drive longer distances on roads that aren't always up to scratch. Thorough daily checks won't prevent that wear and tear, but they will help you to spot any issues at an early stage and make repairs before any serious and expensive damage or harm occurs. With concerted effort, these checks become the norm. They become part of the way we do things around here, not an add-on or afterthought, but an integral part of our daily routine. And of course, nothing can beat a regular programme of routine service and maintenance for all of your trucks and trailers. It's worth remembering that your vehicles act as a billboard for your business, especially if they're prominently sign-written. Keeping them clean and well-maintained will help build your reputation as an efficient and effective operator. 
A reliable truck will also mean that you get to customers on schedule, avoid unexpected dramas and cause less stress for your staff. But again, the drivers have a role to play in that and it's your job to make sure they play their part. Before I close today, I'd like to thank Dave Andres for his contribution towards the cost of the show. Get Flushed is entirely independent, so any and all donations are welcome, however large or small. There's a contributions link on the homepage, getflushed.online, or you can send money through PayPal to info at getflushed.online. And if you donate $25, I'll send you a Get Flushed tubular scarf wherever you are in the world. I'll put links in the notes. In the next episode, I'll look at what could and should happen if you or your drivers are involved in a motor vehicle accident while driving for work. But for now, once again, thank you for your time. I've been Pete, and you've been listening to Get Flushed, the world's favourite sanitation podcast.